Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Tavern of Terror. I am your host and innkeeper of arcane lore, Connor Everly. Today's episode is the conclusion of our Spooky Season Special, where we are using the Cthulhu Dark System to play a homebrewed scenario I authored myself. This is part two of our two-part Cthulhu miniseries. If you haven't listened to part one, you should go and do that now. You can also check out our pre-game minisode where we discuss the rules, the theme, and character creation for this session. We will also release a post-session Q&A between the squad and myself, but be warned, spoilers abound. Cthulhu games often deal with dark and disturbing themes. And while part one was very light on the following content warnings, these themes will be ever-present in this episode. Content warnings for this series are violence, gore, body horror, psychological horror, and domestic-slash-familial abuse. The last of which we have included timestamps in the episode notes, so you can choose to avoid that content. However, if you are not comfortable with gore and body horror, then this may not be the miniseries for you. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year for any American who has experienced or is at risk of family and domestic violence. The website link and phone number for the NDVH are included in the episode notes. The intro music for this miniseries was made just for us by the talented Eugene Stacks. Links to his website and social media are in the episode notes. Check them out. Today's cast is Jessica McGarry, Andre Ryu, Sean Paul, Dan the Mystery Man, and a guest appearance from Lou Fox. With no further delay, let us end this. I think something skeptical has gotten triggered in Clive, and he remembers the hatred and disgust that he felt on their 18-mile trek out here, and he's gonna, like, scan these silhouettes for, like, backpacks, or, like, I mean, they probably had to make a similar trek, right? Yeah, and you can't see any, like, real gear on these guys besides, you know, basic stuff. Like, they look like they were not equipped for a long trek. But again, you can't see like many details about them, but it doesn't look like any of them have backpacks. And I think at this point, Clive is just gonna slowly start backing away towards the fortress and away from the fire. 
but like not really trying to draw a lot of attention to himself, but he's spooked. He's already spooked. I mean, you know, he's, he's not, he's, he's unhappy right now. Absolutely. And continuing the conversation. So why haven't you reported that? Why are you staying here? Who are we going to report that to, officer? It's 18 miles in. Also, can you calm down with the lumens, bro? You're like right in our eyes here. It's a dark sky ordinance, bro. <laughs> Gotta make sure we can see. We're looking for Lisa. We already told you. Lisa's not here, man. Well, we hear that. And I guess we'll leave you be. But you better be careful. There's a killer out here. Wait, whoa. And with that, all of the lights turn off and they leave you in darkness. Uh-uh. Nah. I turn, I light my torch. You can no longer see silhouettes. At this point, Clive has his torch and he's behind the protective barrier, like shaking. Everyone, please make a sanity check. As it appears that 12 officers vanished into thin air. I got a five, so my insanity is now four. Okay. I rolled a four, which put me up to three on my insanity. Okay. Uh, Clive had a four insanity, and he rolled a three, so he does not get more insane. Yeah, you were already skeptical of these guys. And uh, Rod rolled a three, which brings him up to three. Okay. Did you guys see? They didn't have any backpacks, no hiking gear. How'd they get out here? What are they talking about reporting this? Who are we going to talk to? We're 18 miles deep in the wilderness. They just disappeared. Clutching my torch and like just looking around. The sound of sawing starts to emanate from the woods. hate that. Oh, God damn it. That's sound, man. That's what we heard before. There is no definite direction from which it is coming from. It is from the woods all around. This is what I was telling you guys about. Like, it's time to go. If we stay the night, then what? How are we going to get back? We're going to have less supplies. You want to go traipsing through these woods with 12 homicidal police officers and a chop-chop murderer out there? Be sensible! We should get in the shelter. I get in the shelter. <laughs> you get in the shelter? Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> Clive has been shouting all of this from the shelter. He's not directly near anyone if they weren't already there. Was this thing going to hold? There's a murderer and ghost police and a saw. Yeah, it's big enough. I expanded it. Clive has another idea. Is there any wire left? Yeah. That's a shit ton of wire, and I made sure to only use minimal, but enough. So using the sticks we've already sharpened into stakes, Clive wants to take two of those, and like five to ten feet from like the main gap or entrance into the fortress, he wants to place a trip wire. Okay. Across the main path. Now go ahead and make a roll for that. And I want to help. Okay. Clive got a six. Okay, Clive. Both Isabella and Clive go out to the trail. You plant a stake with a wire, and you plant another stake with a wire. And all this time, the sawing seems to get louder down the trail. And now it doesn't just sound like sawing through wood. There's a squelching noise with each pull. And you start to hear footsteps, and coming out of the darkness and into the dim firelight, you see a headless body in a green flannel and jeans, blood soaking the shoulders and dripping down in a V, down its torso. A handsaw picking away at the neck, sawing it, squelching. I'm going to need you guys to make sanity checks. 
four. And I have a four, so it doesn't change. Clive also rolled a four and has a four. Okay, your sanity does not increase, but there is a headless body sawing at itself coming at you. Your head is that way. Ah! This time calmly, Clive just points out and says, chop, chop, <laughs> no head. And then <laughs> just makes his way back into the camp. Maybe not that rushing. He's just doing it. You back away and into the camp and this body keeps advancing. And now, walking into the firelight, walking into the clearing, both Rob and Drew see this figure now continuing to work away at the bloody stump of a neck. And the sawing around you is loud. It is cacophonous. Rod, Drew, please roll sanity. Rod's also going to throw a disc off disc at this. Drew rolled a five, so his sanity is now up to four. Oh. Rod got a one, and he's currently a four sanity, so he's, he's okay. just come to terms that this is the world he lives in. Do you froth, bro? And you hit this thing with a disc golf disc, Rod. It just boom, hits him in the chest and falls to the ground. And it stops sawing at its neck. Uh, okay. And then it points the saw at you, and Rod, this body is going to go and try to attack you. I'm going to do a contested roll. What about the tripwire? So let's say that's a help action. So, Dan, you can go ahead and roll your dice for this contest. So the higher between you two. That's a one. Well, that's great, because Clive's assisted with a six. Okay. So this, (laughs) this figure goes and is pointing a handsaw. And in the firelight, you can catch an engraving on the handle. It's an F and a G. And as you see this, the body lunges forward, toes catch on the tripwire, and it falls flat on the ground with a hard thump. And all of the sawing noises stop. And this is right in front of Rod. Yes, right in front of you, Rod. I think we should follow Drew's idea. Let's leave. Uh, so Rod hears, hears Clive yelling. But Rod wants to pick up this, this weapon that's landed in front of him. <laughs> Okay, so it's still in his hand. He didn't, like, throw it. It's, like, still in his hand, but he's outstretched in front of you. So Rod's going to step on his hand and wrist and try and pick it up. Okay, that's going to be another contested roll, my man. Let's do it. That's a three. I got a four. Oof. So you go and you make to step on his hand, and you do. Your boot lands right on his wrist and he lets go of the saw. And then with his other hand, he grabs the saw, brings it up to your thigh, the inner thigh, and pulls across, severing that thigh, pulling open your femoral artery, and warm blood gushes down your leg. Rod just yells out, Uh, guys, you gotta run, this shit's real. As he's- Cracks open another PBR. (laughs) Right, just pops another one. <laughs> Isabella opens her first aid kit, grabs the tourniquet materials, and chucks it at him. And just says a rudimentary, like, wrap this above your cut and tighten it till the stop bleeding. Isabella, just run. Just go. It's done for me. <laughs> I throw it at him and say that anyway. Are we gonna run? I feel like we gotta make fucking sanity checks because our homie just got fucking diced and sliced. You do need to make sanity checks. I got a six, I'm out of five. 
Okay. Yeah, I just rolled a six, so I'm also now at five. I I rolled a two. Okay. Um, so I'm still at four. Um, and what I wanted to say, as soon as I saw this headless guy, I would have liked to have started running for the box that we just redeposited back in the woods. Interesting. You're running for the box? Yeah. Okay. You go running for the box, and you find it. What would you like to do? Um, can I bring it back? Okay. Can I bring... Yeah, that's what I'd like to do. You pick up the box, running back for your camp near the fire. Isabella and Clive, what are you doing at this junction? And I stay in the shelter. That is where my first aid kit is. That is where I'm going to stay. And I clutch my torch and just do a silent prayer. Okay. And Clive, what would you like to do? The moment Clive saw Rod get sliced up the leg, something broke, and he's just sprinting down the trail. Seriously? He he saw that, and he is just running as fast as he can with his torch clutched in his hands. You're gonna run 12 miles. I'm gonna run 18 miles, thank you very much. No, it's 12 miles to... Um, 12 miles down to Watford. Watford, yeah. Okay. So Clive, you... Clive does not know where he's going. He's just running straight out of the camp. Like, um, he's not looking for a trail. He's running in a straight line, however that takes him. Okay, so... He's a little bit flustered. So, in terms of straight line, if you're trying to go to the trail, which you know where it is, the trail would be 12 miles down to Watford, and it extends down a narrow kind of ridge of stone. And then the way from which the headless body came is from the way that you guys came out of the woods. Well, I think that sounds like a hard pass. So he'll take the way that the headless body didn't come, and he'll go that way. You're running down the ridge towards Watford. Yep. Okay. I might. <laughs> I prepare my stuff to leave. Okay. You start bagging up your shit? Yeah. Okay. Rod, you have this tourniquet material with you and you're kind of fumbling at it and you see this headless body kind of start crawling it switches its grip on its saw to be uh you know more of like a stabbing position it climbs over you and it starts raising its hand and suddenly drew comes into the camp with the box yeah i guess i'd like to just dump the box and let the head roll out you open the box and you dump it out and the head rolls out and as you do this, the headless body stops, stands up, and then it throws the saw at you, Drew. Oh, God. Oh, God damn it. All right, I'm going to do a contested roll with you. <laughs> Yo, fuck. <laughs> Wait, can uh, Rod assist by throwing a disc golf disc at the saw? <laughs> sure. Okay. Oh, man. Oh. Okay, so for Drew, it's a three. Rod got a six. Yes. Okay, well, guess what? I rolled a six. You throw your disc, and like inches away from Drew's throat, the disc knocks the saw out of the air, and it clatters into the darkness. The body then looks down to you, Rod, and then it dives in on you and starts strangling you and punching you. And you just see these big fists come down on your face over and over again, swells of pain until darkness overcomes you. Jesus Christ. Rip to Rod, the provider of people. Yeah. Rip Rod. Rip Rod. Drew and Isabella, go ahead and make sanity checks, please, as you see your friend being beaten to death by a headless body. I got a five and I still have a five. Okay. It's a, it's a two to my four. 
so I'm good. Okay. Drew, you are just holding it together. Hotel restaurant management has prepared you for this. <laughs> Dude, some some ratted people come in late at night. You gotta keep a cool head. So as, like, right after he throws the saw towards Drew, and then, like, turns around and starts beating up Rod, I sling my backpack over my shoulders, and I run, and I grab Drew's hand, like, we need to run, and, like, try and catch up with Clive. Okay. Hold, hold, hold up. Can I... I want to scoop that head and, like, just drop it in the fire on the way out. The head? Okay. Yeah. I want to drop it in the fire, because clearly it didn't respond to me providing its head. Like, that's not what it wanted, so I'm, I'm dropping the head in the fire. You grab the head to throw it into the fire, and as you hear these impacts landing, you see the eyelids flutter and roll back, and where there were empty eye holes, there are now eyes. Rod's eyes and the skin seems to be more plump. So I'm gonna need you to make a sanity, uh, but then you can continue to throw it in the fire if you like. That's a two. Nice, dude. Okay, yeah, fuck this. You chuck the head in the fire, and as it rolls in, the, the crisp hair on its head starts to light up. Whatever was the embalming fluid catches fire, and the body doesn't seem to give a shit. The oh. head, just immolates and blackens as the body is continuing to finish off Rod. And your hand is then grabbed and you are pulled down the trail. Okay. Now you guys are running down the trail. And we already know that Clive is not the most outdoorsy and after a exceptionally long hike, he's not going as fast as he should. You manage to catch up to Clive, but you catch up to him as you enter a clearing. It's a fork in the trail. Clive is just standing at the fork. He doesn't know which direction to go. There's a left and a right. And right at the fork, you see a large, sprawling alligator juniper tree. It has the alligator-like skin of the bark from which it gets its namesake. And buried right in the fork of the tree is a handsaw with the letters F and G engraved upon it. Mm. So which way do we go to get to the town? Do I need to get out my map for this? You can make a roll. Probably studied the trail map pretty thoroughly, so can I use my... Yes, you may. Thank you. My career dice or whatever. God damn it, I got a three. Studying the map and trying to remember what you picked up from online, the Watford Williams Trail has no forks. Oh, God. It's a straight trail. So which way looks visibly easier? This is one solid ridge that then branches out. The, the land mass gets wider and both descend into darkness. You can see in the distance the lights of Watford kind of glimmering, a little beacon of hope away, probably 10 miles. It seems like it's a little closer to the left. I'm gonna go left. Let's okay. go left. Uh, I would say though that as this is happening, uh, Clive kind of registers Drew's and Isabella's appearances. Uh, but he's kind of fixated on the saw and the fork. And as Isabella decides to book it left, he'll follow, but he is going to grab the saw and take it with him. You grab the saw, and it takes a hard pull, but you wrench it out from the tree. And there's a moment of silence before you hear a rumbling noise. And suddenly, a dark red liquid jettisons out of this hole, just erupting, spraying everywhere. It smells like the copper and iron of blood. It is a blood fountain spraying out of this hole in the tree. 
I'm gonna need you to make a sanity. No, for that? I mean, come on. <laughs> is this blood rod? Clyde's current sanity is five, and he rolled a four. This just doesn't really register at this point. He expects this. Fair enough. Well, now you have a handsaw, a rusty handsaw with the letters F and G in it. Boy, howdy. And also, so Drew, are you seeing this? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Did I see it? Like, did, did both of us see this? Isabella ran off before this happened, so Isabella has not seen this. If you ran off right behind Isabella, you do not see this. I, I'm concerned I'm concerned about Clive. I want him to make it with us, so I saw it. I saw what Clive did. Okay. You also need to make a sanity check, please. Okay. That's a five, so that brings me up from four to five. Okay. We're all on the verge of losing our sanity. And now I have a weapon. Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> You're going to kill us accidentally. And you go running down the trail, running and running. You're finally, you, you all group up, and you're out of breath, and something catches your attention. There appears to be another fork in the trail. But strangely enough, the left path looks like a stairway. It looks like, like stairs in a house, just descending to the left and down into the darkness of a canyon. Fuck that noise, I go right. Okay. I think Clive is fucking entranced at this point. He's on the border. He's on the fucking edge. I think he fucking stops running and takes the stairs. He's got nothing God to lose at this point. I just don't... I don't see this not happening. Do remember of the mechanic you can use to lower your sanity. If you have an item that you can destroy... 100%. You can lower your sanity. I hear that, but I also think he feels slightly buoyed by the fact that he has a weapon now. And... Okay. He does not like nature... Those stairs look oddly inviting and not natural, so I think he's gonna move towards the stairs. Did I get a sanity boost from destroying that head? Well, you were already at four sanity, so unfortunately, no. Okay. What are you gonna do? Uh, this is hard. Drew? Um, <laughs> you see your boy slow walking down to the stairs, and then you decide, Isabel, book it. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and grab Clive and, like, turn him around. Like, no, dude, stairs are not a good call. I'm afraid I must contest that at this point. I'm going to help you. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to help you and be like, we need to go this way. Like, do not trust that. There's not supposed to be houses out here. All right, we need Rod's ghost to influence this in Clive's way. I also want to influence it in Clive's way as well. So I'm going to roll along with Clive as well. Okay. I rolled a one. Sorry, Clive. Clive rolled one too, so uh, that just Ghost Rod also got a one, so Clive's fucked. I rolled a two. Yeah, I rolled a three. Fuck, Drew wins. <laughs> Clive, you try to make it down a step before you feel arms wrap around either one of your arms. Your friends grab you and start pulling you down the trail. Oh come on, we can't just leave it. Yes, we can. You know we gotta go down there. No. It's scary. There's not supposed to be houses out here. Let's go. I, I mean, to whatever capacity I can, I really am not going to let this go without some kind of struggle. So, well, with the roll, you have failed your struggle. Much to your chagrin, you are being pulled down the trail. Come on! Until you reach another fort. Jesus Christ. You see an alligator juniper tree, a big one. And it branches off into two sections. And in the center of it, there is a hole. It looks like something was leaking out of it. Some dark red sap or maybe oh. blood. No. 
Okay, right away, I'm gonna say, let's go to the other direction. The, the path we didn't go down. Alright, so go right. I imagine you guys probably, like, stop, like, restraining Clive as heavily when we see this, just because you're a little shocked. And I think at that relaxation and grip, Clive will blunder ahead and lead the charge down the staircase. I'm gonna let this happen. As you guys see that you are back at that fork, Clive breaks free and runs down the left trail. Isabella is really like, okay, the left didn't work, that's a loop, but maybe the right will work. Honestly, Clive's gone a little insane. I might just fuck off and try and survive on my own. Should I do a roll? Evens, I go on my own. Odds, I help and be a good person. Evens, I go on my own. I run to the right and I say, Drew, your choice, man. And you run along down the trail. And Drew, for a moment, just for a moment, you are alone at this fork. And you hear a soft song. It sounds like a woman comforting a child. Soft kitty, warm kitty, little polar bear. <laughs> I would be so creeped out to hear that in this situation, so I think that that is perfectly fine. Yeah. But you hear this singing, and it sounds like it's coming from inside the tree. <laughs> that's a no. That's a no. <laughs> that's a. It's a hard no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna crush a water bottle real quick and and drop that down here at the fork. Okay. Litter. And I'm gonna I wanna run after Clive. I, I wanna go for Clive, see if I can catch up. To He's handling reddling this shit. Okay. That's not a bad idea at this point in time. You crush the bottle and you leave the singing in the tree behind. And the plastic. And the plastic, you fucking litter bug. <laughs> Clive, you continue running down the path and you find those stairs yet again yeah and and without a second thought like there's no hesitation there is no moment of consideration he just continues on you start descending the stairs and and, and let's be clear there's torch in one hand hands on the other i don't know why you're not using a flashlight you definitely have flashlights but yeah fuck it, torch <laughs> is cool because fire is a better weapon in this scenario it's true. okay it's true. i do not trust leds to ward off anything fair enough <laughs> Drew, you get there just in time to see Clive descending these stairs and into the darkness. Clive, come back! <laughs> He's gone. Nothing. All right. Um, I guess back to the other loop. I'm not going down the stairs. <laughs> I'm not following him. Okay, so do you continue down the path, or do you try to run back up? Um. Okay, I'll continue down the path. Is the water bottle back there? We'll answer that question in just a moment. Clive, you start descending the stairs, and time starts feeling irrelevant. Have you been walking down these stairs for 10 seconds or an hour? You don't know. And looking around, before you know it, it's dark on all sides of you, and your torchlight spills out onto what looks like an enclosed stairway inside a home. At the base of the stairs, you see light emanating from a room. And if you can imagine, at the base of these stairs, there's a small landing, and the rest of the room continues off to the right. So you can only see a wall at the bottom, but there is a room that continues off to the right. 
as you descend, you start to hear the sounds of what can only be described as a domestic dispute. A man and a woman yelling at each other. You hear blows landing. You hear a body being slammed up against the wall. And suddenly you hear a crash. And rolling into view right at the base of the stairs is a little wooden wheel. God damn it, now look what you made me do! I, I mean, I really feel like I've got to, like, roll for the insanity, because I think the duck made such a strong impression that the wheel would make an equally strong impression. Okay. And I feel like he would have to, like... Roll. Deal with that. Um, and so Clive got a two with an insanity of five. Okay. So he does not become more insane. And I think he would just be really committed, you know, this, like, sense of timelessness, I think, would make what happened before seem a little bit unimportant, and what's happening now be more important. So he would continue down the stairs, kind of tightening his grip on both his torch and his handsaw. I need you to make a roll for stealth, and I am going to contest it. Cool, I've got a four. I got a three. You come to the base of the stairs, and you see a large, imposing man in overalls, and he's not wearing a shirt on underneath it. You see a woman in the corner, and she's wearing red high heels. At the wall, you see a... well, you see that wheel right at your feet, and this man is clutching this broken doll. He says, Now look what you made me do! I spent so much time on this for that ungrateful little shit of yours! And the woman just cowers and says she's sorry. And then she looks at you. So she can obviously see me. Yep. Does, like, how, what it, like, is there clothing? Like, is it, is it contemporary? Is it, uh, what does it look like? It looks more like clothing you would see out of the 50s. And so she makes eye contact with me, right? She makes eye contact with you, and mouths go. Go, honey. I don't think Clive knows 100% what to do with that, so I think he would kind of be, like, paralyzed in a mo for, like, a moment. Okay. So as you stand there, this male sees this look and sees, like, Who are you talking to? And, and he turns around and he sees you and goes, Damn it, boy, you're supposed to be in bed. You're supposed to be asleep. You want me to teach you a lesson? And he starts, although he has overalls on, he starts going for a belt. <laughs> I think Clive would probably take a step back, but probably not fall on retreat. I don't think he would quite know what was going on. The man starts coming for you. I mean, I, I think he would try to defend himself Okay. for whatever that's worth. Go ahead and make a roll. I am contesting, obviously. Okay. Uh, Clive got a four. Okay. I got a six. Clive. This man approaches you. Boy, you keep disrespecting me. I'm going to teach you a lesson you won't forget. And as he approaches, you reflexively stab forward with the handsaw. And it almost seems to bend off of this man. You feel powerless against this guy. As he grabs his belt and whips it around your neck and pulls you into the living room. And he starts tightening and tightening. You're clawing for breath. You can't breathe. There's pressure in your face. This woman is pleading for the man to stop, and you just see those red shoes, and then you let go. Darkness consumes you, and Clive is gone. 
Unsurprising! Rip Clyde. This game is a murder game. Isabella, you ran down the right trail. Mm -hmm. You go sprint. Mm -hmm. Now this trail, if you can picture it, there is more of like a cliff wall to your left. So, you know, something you wouldn't fall off of, but then a more sheer drop to your right, and this trail is hugging that, like, cliff's edge. And as you're walking down, you see a pair of basement doors, the kind of slanted ones that you would, you know, access a basement from the outside to. I ignore them. I'm fucking, I'm sorry, but I'm just... You're one track mind. I need to get back to the town. This is scary as shit. You keep running and running. And now we will go to Drew. Drew, you left Clive behind. He went into the darkness and you don't know where he went. His flame seemingly disappeared and you think you should have been able to see it. You keep running down the trail until you come to a fork in the road. A big alligator juniper right at the fork. A hole inside of that tree where it looks like blood or red sap had flown out. You see your crushed six ounce water bottle and you see the box closed at the base of the tree. You hear footsteps rapidly approaching from behind you and suddenly you see Isabella. God damn it! Ugh! The right, the right way only has a path that goes along a sheer cliff, and then there's some creepy basement door thing. We're stuck. Uh, you start to hear the sound of sawing come from up the trail. No. Shit. No. I don't know why you thought taking that path was going to save you. There's nothing that's going to save you now. <laughs> cliff path. That's the way to go, man. I just did that. There were basement doors. We could try to hide in the basement doors. And the box is back. Oh my god. Should we open the box? Yeah. Let's let's open the box. What's in the box? You open the box and you see a head. Now looking more alive than ever. Almost freshly severed. It smells of that disgusting pickling fluid. And it seems as though it still drips blood from its mangled neck stump. Hmm. It has a head of hair. Clive's hair. Sandy blonde. Yeah, it's sandy blonde hair. Please make sanity checks. I got six. I am now at six in sanity. Yes. Okay. And what did you get? It was a four. I've, I've seen a head in a box already, and I've seen my friend's head already. So. Okay. True. Isabella, you are completely convinced that there is no escape from this whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. You think that this head in the box is stealing everybody's life force. That you are going to die here and there is no escape. Looking to the right, you see the sheer cliff. Maybe the only exit you can get out of here that doesn't end bloodily. That, or maybe, maybe you only need one more life to finish this off. Oh God. I'm gonna leave that up to you. You have your chop-chop in your hand, and you see the cliff to the right. Pick your path of insanity. Please. I'm gonna roll for it. Even is the self-absorbed kill the guy. Odd is kill myself. Evens. I'm gonna turn to you, Drew, and be like, it's the only way, and I'm gonna bring my axe, my chop-chop down <laughs> right at your neck. Can I take the head out of the box and hold it as like a, a buffer between me and the... The chop chop? 
This is going to be a contested roll. Okay. And I think it would be interesting if Andre pulls out the head. So, Andre, I'm going to roll with you. Okay. I rolled a one. Sorry, dude. I got a four. Drew rolled a five. Okay, nice. All right. You pick up this head, and right as the axe comes down, it splits into this severed head, cracking it open like a melon, and blood just flows out from it. (laughs) Drew, you have a split second to run. Which way do you go? Yeah, I book it. Which way? I, I, I go the direction that I haven't been yet. To the right. I know that I come across the basement, right? Mm-hmm. I will go in the basement. So as you run off, Drew, let's figure out what happens to Isabella. Isabella, your axe sinks into this severed head, and as you look up, Drew is gone. He's down the trench. The sound of sawing becomes ever louder behind you, but then you hear this sweet, comforting song. It's coming from inside the tree. From the hole in this juniper, you see a faint bit of light. I'm going to call out for Lisa, because I know the cops were looking for Lisa, and it seems like the only name that I can think of in the moment. You scream Lisa out into the air to no avail. And I want to look in the tree, though. You look inside the tree, and you see a small boy. His eye is blackened, and he has a tooth missing, an incisor. His head is resting on the lap of who you can only assume to be his mother, and she's stroking his hair. You see that this boy is gently sobbing, and the mother stops her singing, and she says, Here you will always find peace, my beautiful boy. Here and nowhere else. And this boy looks up lovingly, and he says, I want to be with you forever. You hear the sound of sawing behind you. You blink, and suddenly you see a skeletal woman in red heels and a severed head on her lap. You turn around, and the headless body has descended upon you. I'm going to take my chop-chop, and I'm going to try and chop-chop it. So you've, you've already gone insane, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and have a roll from you. A five. Okay. That's the only you thing bring your chop-chop in, and you bury it right in the neck hole. And this thing stops for a moment before grabbing the axe, pinning you against the tree, and striking your own head from your shoulders. God damn it. <laughs> Ripped Isabella. Ripped Isabella. <laughs> All right, Drew. Take us home. <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs> All right, Drew. You're running down this right path, and you see the basement doors. You also see that the path continues down along the cliff edge. I take the basement. Okay. You open the doors and you walk down a few steps into this basement. You turn around over your shoulder. You see the moonlight struggling through the smoke. You turn back around and enter this basement. And on the table, you see a woman who is bound. She is gagged. She is tied to the table. She is missing her left foot. And on a nearby table, you see her foot, toenails painted green, next to a pair of red shoes, high heels. There's a barrel in the corner, and it has a a toxic sign on it, but it appears fastened. The woman stirs to consciousness, and she looks at you, muffled screams. You're going to need to make a sanity check, please. 
Hold up. Rodeo dice. That's a one. That's a one. Drew is unbreakable. Yeah, seriously. And you look around. Yeah, I mean, look, hotel hospitality, you're going to see a lot of crazy shit. So, <laughs> you, they, this was 101. You see that this woman has a necklace, and it's a gold necklace, and in cursive it says, Lisa. Okay. Um, is there any, do I see any implements that I could use? Yeah, you see an array of carpentry tools. In fact, you see a handsaw with the letters F and G engraved in the handle. Okay, can I use that F and G saw? I'm going to try and, and undo those ropes. So you start cutting the ropes, and once one of her hands is free, she goes and pulls out her gag, and she says, Please, we need to go. He's going to be back any second. He's going to be back any second. Too busy killing me. Please, you have to help me. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, can I help? Can I finish sawing the ropes off? Here's your complimentary shampoo and conditioner and a hand soap. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can help her weasel out with my complimentary shampoo and conditioner. Like, she can use that as a, a lubricant to slide out of the ropes. With a combination of lubricant and the saw, you manage to free her from her binds. And right as she leans up, you hear steps approaching. Okay, can I chuck the saw into the caustic barrel? You'd have to open it up, but yeah, you could. Okay, so what is the situation? Am I in a room? Is there only- You are in a room. You came down a set of stairs. There is another door that you would assume goes to the inside access for the basement. You are starting to hear footsteps descend from this other door. There is a main table where she was laying, a side table where there are implements, her foot, and two shoes, and then in the corner, there is a barrel. It has a warning label on it. Can I tip the barrel over in the direction of the other door? You grab the barrel and you slam it to the ground, and as you do, you see, in writing, across the top of the barrel on the far side that you just tipped over, it says formaldehyde. And as you throw it over, the lid pops off, and a body comes sliding out along with all of this fluid that dumps onto the ground. The woman shrieks, and the footsteps grow louder as, boom, the door opens up, and you see a man in a green flannel shirt and worn jeans. He says nothing, but his eyes are red, glowing red with fury. I'm gonna need you to make a sanity check. It's a four. It's a nope. still at a five. What's a, who is the body? Like a kid? Or... So the body inside the formaldehyde looks like an adult male with black hair. He looks like he has been severely beaten. Looking at that and hearing Lisa cry out, you see this man smile a wicked grin. His left incisor gone. And oh, Lisa screams out, Please, please, God, help me! What do you do? Uh, I guess, like... Lisa is free of her bonds, right? Mm-hmm. But she only has one foot. Oh, she only has one foot. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'm gonna help her, like, hobble up to the to the stairs I came in on. We're gonna make a contested roll. I wanna help Drew survive. You wanna- Can the ghosts of, of Clive and Rod and fucking Isabella help? Everyone who wants to help Drew can help Drew. I've got a four. I got a five. You got a five, okay. Got us. Nice. Hey, okay. All, we all got your back, man. <laughs> cool. I got a three, so <laughs> for, for the record. You grab Lisa and you make to go up the stairs. 
you hear a voice, but it's not a voice. It sounds like a saw. It, it makes no sense, but it conveys something. And as you start running up the stairs, you feel a tug and you see that this man has Lisa. She cries out in pain as he's grabbing her by her severed stump and he's prodding her in the wound. You have no choice but to let her go if you are going to survive. Uh, but this choice is yours. I mean, your friends have rolled well for you, but the only way out is if you let her go. I mean, TBH, dog, she has no foot. You're not making it away with this. Yeah, can I, like, get her gold chain? Like, can I snag that? Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not It's not about, like, it's not about, like... What about loot collection? <laughs> I'm right? sorry. It's not like, oh, I'm a klepto. It's not about loot. It's like... I'm, I'm just used to Tums. I'm just used to Tums is all. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. This isn't an act of deviousness. This is, like, proof of, of her existence. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And last second, you snatch her, uh, you snatch her necklace. She looks at you like, what the fuck? And you <laughs> run out of the basement and she screams after you. It is silenced as you continue running down the trail. And you see a fork in the trail, a box at the base of a large alligator juniper tree with a hole in it, where there appears to be some red sap or blood that has flown out of it, and a plastic six ounce bottle that has been emptied. You also see Isabella's chop-chop at the base of the tree, and a pair of red heels that point down the left path. Red heels that point down the left path. I guess, I guess it's time to go down the left path. Does anything change? Do I see the staircase now? You just run straight down the path. The chop chop. Um. Get the chop chop. Take my chop chop. Yeah, I want to grab the chop chop for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I want the chop chop. You grab Isabella's chop chop. I like to think that there's just a running commentary of like Clive, Isabella, and Rod's ghosts just like watching and commentating. Like, yeah. Oh, he needs to grab the chop chop. Grab the chop chop. Oh, okay. Good. 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 It's like ghost chat and I'm ghost. So you go running down the left trail and you do see a set of stairs and the trail that continues off to the right. I guess it's it's time for me to go down the stairs. Okay. You start descending the stairs, and time seems to have little meaning. Have you been descending for 10 seconds or one hour? You don't know. And the light begins to spill out on a stairway. And it almost appears as though daylight is coming in to a different room at, at the bottom of the stairs. Now, again, if you can imagine, the room is to the right of the stairway, and at the base of the stairway, there's just a landing and a wall. You see picture frames down the wall, what you would imagine would be family photos on the stairway are missing photos. Women and men alike, you pass by a photo of Lisa. You come down into this living room and you see a small adolescent boy. He is weeping in a chair. You see a large man enter the room. He has overalls on and he has a white shirt that appears to be dust covered. The man is covered in mud and clay. All right, Freddy, your mom's dead, and I buried her. But, but what about a funeral? She ain't gonna have no funeral. We don't have the money for it. I'm the only one making any goddamn cash around here. And you, you're a piece of shit with a saw. You ain't picked up none of them skills I've been giving you. I, I just want my mom. You want your mom? 
Here. This large man picks up a pair of red heel shoes, and he throws them at the boy. Take these, you little fucking pussy. They might fit you. And this large man turns around, leaves the living room area, a door slams, and it sounds like he descends off of a front porch. The boy takes the shoes and sits on the floor. The boy cries, and he looks scornfully at the door. I'm gonna make you pay. I'm gonna make you pay. They'll all pay. And then you blink. The boy's gone. The house is... It's no longer furnished. It's dilapidated and in disrepair. You hear birdsong coming from outside. Through the windows you see trees swaying gently in the breeze. Cottonwoods, maybe? You're not quite sure. You're going to need to make a sanity check. So what? Drew, what do you do? What I would like to do is walk out the door. You walk out the door of this house and out a few paces. It's an old dilapidated farmhouse. You see basement doors exactly like the ones you encountered on the trail by the side of the house. You also see in the distance some people walking. It looks just like a a group of hikers or something. They're probably 400 feet away from you. You can hear them talking and laughing. I guess I'd like to call out to the hikers and catch up with them. You call out running through the bush, running away from this dilapidated farmhouse, and you encounter four hikers. They're probably in their late 30s. They're nice people. They look like experienced hikers. And they see you in your obviously very stressed state. They talk to you and, you know, try to settle you down, try to calm you down, ask what happened to you. We, we, were, we were out uh, camping and we found a severed head in a box and um, then there was some guys and they showed up and then they were gone and then we got chased through the woods and there was a there was a man he was walking around with no head and uh, I guess I made it through to the morning because I'm here they look at you quizzically and a man steps forward I saw him look on his face he says I had an addiction problem too and I've been unsheltered for a while here <laughs> I know a place it's it's in Sedona but, but it's a nice spot, and I think they can give you the help you need. Uh, look, I just need, like, I, I need shelter and a good shower right now. Like, so, if you could help me, if you could direct me to the right way to get back to civilization, I would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, uh, just back along this trail. And they point to the trail behind them. Okay, so, I, I would like to return to civilization, please. <laughs> One... One, one civilization, please. That's that's my tall word. <laughs> you walk along this trail next to an old dry riverbed, and you hear bird song. You continue down the path. You come to the parking lot where you had staged one of your vehicles for the pickup. You get in the car. You drive. You find a nearby motel in Watford, and you can buy a room. You go inside, you wash up. You walk out of the bathroom, steam billowing up, curling into the air behind you. And there, sat right on your bed, like a complimentary mint, 
is an old cypress wood box with brass filigree and corner caps. It looks heavily oxidized. Bam! We hope you enjoyed the series. The laughs, the screams, maybe a little bit of crying. We want to thank you so much for stopping into our Tavern of Terror this month. The Cthulhu game systems are a screaming good time for those of you who enjoy the spooky shit like I do. And it was a delight to share this scenario with you. If you enjoyed this mini-series, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to write a review and share it with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit. For your convenience, the links are in the episode notes. And since we're on that topic, we will be doing our first merch giveaway of 2021. We have some stickers and some other little goodies that you could win. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram, go do that now. And if you are following, keep an eye on our Instagram feed for the details. Do you want to tell us how much you liked this episode? Or how much you didn't like the episode? Or that you want us to make more Cthulhu content? Well, we here at Tavern Squad want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email or a message on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, and we will begin reading your reviews and letters on air once they start coming in. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you favor tales of high fantasy, check out our main Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition arc. We release episodes monthly. So far, we have two episodes available, and the third will be galloping into town the last Thursday of the month, October 28th, or next week, whatever you prefer. Want to give a big thanks to Lou Fox for his appearance as The Sheriff. You can find him on Twitter at Bard Commander. Our intro music for this miniseries was made just for us by the talented Eugene Stacks. Links to his website and social media are in the show notes. Also wanted to give a shout out to Carl Casey at White Bat Audio on YouTube. Finally, I would like to thank my brother Ethan and my friends Alex, Robert, and Isaac Andrews for test playing this scenario with me and giving me feedback on how to unbox the terror and mystery. Thank you guys for all your help. With that, last call has been made. The tavern is closing. You don't have to go home, but don't let the werewolves bite you. For real, those wounds get really itchy, infected quickly, and don't even get me started on a full moon. Toodaloo.